This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody, publisher of PonyStampede.com. We are now halfway through the week as SMU prepares for Temple on Saturday, 2.30 Central Time in Gerald J. Ford Stadium on ESPN2. I'll be up in Dallas for that one. Looking forward to getting back around the boulevard and, and, and meeting up with plenty of our faithful subscribers as well. While I'm up there, I'm also going to check out Quay Davis on Friday night and Isaiah and Wokobia on Dallas Skylines teams are looking forward to catching some high school football as well. And we've got a lot to get to on this podcast. SMU met with the media for the first time for fall practice on Tuesday, the basketball side of things. Tim Jankovic, Isaiah Mike, and Ethan Shagwa meeting with the media after Isaiah Mike and, and Jankovic went through AAC Media Day up in Philadelphia on Monday. Sonny Dykes met with the media and James Prochet met with the media on Monday as well. So a lot to get to, a lot to recap, talk about. I'm going to share some of my takeaways from the basketball side of things later on. But of course, jumping in with football, top 25 Mustangs getting ready to take on Temple and coming off a bye week that really, I think, was handled the right way for SMU. They really needed to get back to fundamentals. Sonny Dykes talked about that, and he really said, look, we have a lot of issues stemming from the Tulsa game and kind of getting away from those fundamentals. And James Prochet also echoed that statement, kind of saying, look, this is the time of year where we needed to step back and get better because we're going to need to down the stretch. SMU is about to go into a stretch where they're going to face, I think it's uh, – I think four of the six remaining on the schedule have our, our one loss teams. Maybe it's maybe it's five, but uh, I do know Temple, Memphis, Tulane, uh, definitely one loss teams there. So, look, I, I think for SMU getting back to the bye week and focusing on fundamentals, something that SMU does really well, and I take you guys back to the first year, well, last year of of uh, the Sunny Dykes era where they were really really poor the first game of the year against North Texas and, and, and really, really struggled. And then they go on the road against Michigan and, and Sonny Dykes had said it that, that after that North Texas game, that the fun, fundamentally we're not really good. Um, and, and it, and it kind of continued after the TCU game. And then they went out against Michigan and put together a really strong performance. So I think when this staff stresses fundamentals, it pays off really well for them. And 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 so having that week to kind of get back, get some guys healthy. Reggie Roberson's going to be fine. He's ready to go. You you give guys like Cayman Freeman some rest. Sonny Dyke said he responded really well uh, and, and ran the ball really, really ag- aggressively and physically in practice. So this team has everything in front of itself. And, and we talked about that 
last week uh, during the bye week, kind of what what they can accomplish, and they can certainly win all of these games on the remaining schedule. They can also go three and three, go two and four, even. I mean, if, if the wheels totally were to come off, but I don't I don't see that happening. And and so for the bye week to come, I thought it was an important time for them to get back to fundamentals, which they did. So big positive there. And and one other thing, and we'll kind of touch on this a little bit later as well, is is uh, the staff got to go out and recruit and see some of the players. So we're, we're going to get an idea of kind of who those top targets are now that they hit the road recruiting and, and they really had a positive reception. And look, on, on, Monday, on Tuesday night, SMU got bad news. They were in it for Sawyer Gorham Welch, the Longview defensive tackle, but he ends up going to Oklahoma State. And for me, tracking that one, and Gabe Brooks, who is as good as anybody in, in the East Texas area, and, and with his connections there, told me he was hearing the same thing from that side, and it was this. Going into the decision, everybody thought, okay, Sawyer really wanted to play Power 5. That was kind of what he was focused on. And so SMU was, was in there. But ultimately, he goes to Oklahoma State, and it's not surprising. And, and I put that in the decision primer that we, we posted. I said, look, felt like Oklahoma State's going to be the choice. But SMU did some great work on this one, I, I felt like. And there's no moral victories in recruiting and, and all that. But they had the trainer. They had mom, dad, really wanting SMU and and we it feels like we've kind of heard that on the basketball side of things so so many times but for this one I mean it's true I mean I I know that his mom and dad really wanted him at SMU is far closer than Oklahoma State they're able to get get to his games and and the education part was big and his trainers based in Dallas so you kind of could see the fit coming together and I thought Randall Joyner moving to defensive line coach helped SMU I feel like this one would have been over a long time ago if, if Brett Dearson was still the coach of the defensive line, just because of the kind of the mesh from what Sawyer told me. And and that was over the summer when, when he recapped those visits at the end of July. He said, look, I got to spend time with, with Randall Joyner. And, you know, that, that, that's been a big positive that they moved him to defensive line coach because we get along that much more. He's younger and all that. So no moral victories in recruiting, like I said. But I, I will say that they are certainly – getting a lot of positive feedback on the recruiting trail. And I, I do feel like there's momentum. You really hate the, that the, for the first time in, since early July, you have an opportunity, a real opportunity to land a commitment. They don't. And now, obviously, they, they, they do have other targets, which we touched on in kind of that piece that we put together at the beginning of the week about the 2020 recruiting class. But it was, a, it was a tough blow. I mean, this is a guy that they really spent a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of effort. He officially visited, and and they were in it for it. But ultimately, just the Power 5 thing panned out. And it's kind of bizarre for me because, look, uh, Oklahoma State isn't obviously a, a an incredible Big 12 power. Yes, they've, they've been consistently kind of the same for the last you know decade or two. But – the defense that they run isn't an incredible fit for him. They don't really develop guys in the NFL really well. So those were big pieces for, for Sawyer. And the other part was the power five. And so for him to not end up at SMU really just kind of stinks. And 
Look, I mean, for the for the staff, I mean, it's just something they always have to battle. Like Sonny said on on Monday night, he said we're recruiting Power Five kids. We've got to get Power Five kids, and so they need to start landing some more Power Five kids because they obviously haven't landed a commitment in a, in a long time now. And and I'll say this: people who are concerned or frustrated, uh, you can you can feel that way. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who's in the class on. October 16th. It doesn't. It matters who's in when the, the papers are signed come uh, end of uh, middle of February when, when National Sign Day is because we saw this last year. SMU got some high-profile guys on, on campus and, and got them committed. Guys like Jonathan McGill, Brandon Crosley. They didn't end up signing with SMU. So why does it matter if you have some of these guys committed at, or, or you get them committed and then they go elsewhere? So I always have taken the approach of, look, let's wait and see. Let's see how this recruiting class pans out. And that's what we're going to do with, with this class from my, my point of view. Uh, we talked a lot about the junior college prospects that they're going after. And, and now those guys, I think, will become more of a focus for SMU on the defensive, uh, on, on the defensive tackle front. So that was kind of a long aside about uh, something that I was going to just touch on later on in the pod. But uh, since Sonny addressed so much of their feedback on the recruiting trail, I figured I, I would uh, – Talk about Sawyer Gorham Welch committing committing elsewhere. So now back to the team side of things. I think for this one, this is going to be one of those kind of interesting games because Temple's playing really strong defense. SMU's playing really well offensively, but at the same time, it's it's a um, it it's a Temple team that really hasn't had offensive consistency in terms of taking care of the football. So it bodes really well. For SMU, and so while their defense will give SMU's offense, I think a little bit of trouble. I see SMU's offense getting a good deal more possessions because I think the defense is going to be able to force takeaways. Brandon Stevens, Armani Johnson, guys like that, forcing fumbles uh, from the defensive end position, um, coming off the edge. I, I see a lot of that happening on on Saturday, and so that's kind of my key. Early key when I look at the SMU Temple matchup is is forcing turnovers because it's going to be a physical matchup. They they have great athletes. Matt Rule did a real nice job recruiting there, recruiting athletes that turn into great players, and and so that's what they have, and they're they're benefiting from it, and that's why they were able to beat a team like Memphis last week is because they can match them athletically. So finally, um, kind of on the team front, I, I think. When you, when you look at SMU as they wrap up the bye, we can kind of get locked into the second half of the season. I point to a lot of the leadership that SMU has. Guys like James Prochet, I mean, when you when you look at what he had to say on Monday night, a lot of people really jumped on that and said, man, just, I mean, what a great kid. And, and it's true, and or great young man, and not, not a kid. It, and it's true because SMU has a lot of these guys that have kind of seen it all. James Prochet, Delonte Scott, Rodney Clemens, those guys come to mind. Xavier Jones, Cayman Freeman. They've seen a lot. And um, now they're in position to close this thing out in terms of their careers with a with a conference title, with a potentially undefeated season. So all of that is in front of them. And I feel like all of those experiences that they've put together keep them grounded and then when you add in Shane Bouchel and kind of the way he approaches things, that is 
kind of what I hold on to when I look at this team's possibility of, of remaining undefeated, going undefeated, winning this weekend, winning the next weekend, and, and doing all of that. And this team, you can tell how much the culture is taking place. And we saw this at times with, with, with every coach, right? That from Chad Morris, June Jones, doesn't matter. So many, so much of the time the players take into, they take the, 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 the jargon and they, they take the uh, mindset of the coach in, in interviews and all of that. Well, they've shown it on the field as well. Going one and know this week, going one and know in, on, on a day by day basis. That's kind of their thing. They're, they're keeping it simple and whether it's keeping the playbook simple, whether it's keeping things simple on, on, you know, off the field and kind of their approach, it's, it's been really positive, I think for SMU and, and how they approach it. So I, I've been really impressed with that and, and they've really done a good job. And I, th- I think it starts with the leadership of this team. So I, I think that's a big positive for, for people to kind of hold on to when, when you're looking at this team and why they might be successful. I think it starts with the leadership and James Prochet was really on display Monday night and, and kind of their mindset going forward. I guess the last thing I, I want to touch on is, of course, SMU didn't get picked for college game day. Sam Blum, Dallas Morning News, reported that that they were strongly considering SMU. And and look, I mean, that's no surprise. Undefeated SMU, Temple, one lost team. Sonny Dykes did have some great things to say though that I thought were important, and again, kind of show where this team is headed. And and he basically said, look, it would have been great for the conference. It would have been great for us. But at the end of the day, it it was probably going to be a little much. Now we can just focus on playing the football game, taking care of business, doing what we do, and not having all those extra distractions. And I, and I do believe that as this team navigates this first year of, of kind of this crazy instant success uh, in year two, it's probably a little nice for them not to have to deal with that. It would have been great for SMU. I don't think at the end of the day it was very close at all between SMU or Penn State, Michigan, or any of these other places that they can go, Oregon, Washington. It's just, it wasn't to that point yet. And and so while game day does a great job of considering all these places and and SMU was certainly waiting for the call, they also never got a call. College game day never reached out. They were going to Penn State, Michigan, no matter what. Um, or not no matter what, but as long as Penn State took care of business against Iowa and they did, that's where they were going. So if Penn State would have lost, maybe there would have been a change, but not really surprising where college game day went. And, and Sonny Dykes had some good things to say about it. So check it out on, on Pony Stampede. For the rest of his comments, with that, guys, we're going to take a quick break on the Pony Stampede podcast. We'll come back after this and we're going to switch gears and really talk hoops and kind of what I'm hearing on the team as well as Tim Jankovic and Ethan Shagwa and Isaiah Mike met with the media on on Tuesday, and we'll kind of recap most of what was said for you guys as as SMU approaches its season opener just weeks away for the 2019-2020 season. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. 
With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Quick reminder that as we grind for you guys and get these interviews, get these notebooks, get all these recruiting reactions and everything, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Let us know what you think about the podcast as well and hit that subscribe button. We appreciate you guys for listening. And quick shout out to everybody who's joined the site lately and subscribed with our with our annual subscription deal. Awesome, awesome, awesome response to it. And, and we appreciate everybody jumping on board. A lot of people who listened to the podcast, took advantage of the deal. So we appreciate you guys joining us now on the site and hope you guys enjoy the the total package of PonyStampede.com. On to SMU basketball. On Monday, the media picked SMU to finish eighth in the conference. And for me, I felt like that was about right. And and with where things are with the program and and certainly kind of the past couple years, there's no reason to have I think optimism from a media perspective coming into this year. And so I think they were picked in the right spot. I did think it was interesting that even with all the hype around Memphis and what Houston's lost, that they both tied for first place. And Houston actually had the more first place votes with seven over Memphis four. And then one person picked Cincinnati to win it all, which I mean, it had to be a Cincinnati beat writer in my opinion. I think Cincinnati's a little overrated even going into this year. New coach, Jerron Cumberland's recovering from from a foot injury right now. So there's a lot going on there, and there's a new system that is it's going to be really interesting to see how that all that fits together. It could be a long year in Cincinnati from what I've heard talking to a couple of people that I know around that program. It's a major shift. So watch Cincinnati kind of potentially being a little overrated uh, going into this year. But I thought SMU was picked right in the right spot behind USF, UConn, Temple, and it was a considerable difference. There's a considerable gap in the preseason poll between the, the top seven and the bottom bottom five and, and or the bottom six, I, I guess. So it, it's, a, it's an interesting situation for SMU. I, I think with the talent they have coming in, that is for sure going to play. So Tyson Jolly is prob- and, and Isaiah JC at the, at the semester – those are the only two that are really kind of big time type of players that I think can really positively impact things for this team, unless I'm just totally forgetting somebody. But this season will will completely rely on SMU getting Kendrick Davis eligible. And right now we don't have an answer on that. Tim Jankovic and the staff doesn't have an answer on it uh, from the NCAA. But everything I've heard about Kendrick Davis is is he is just 
a big, big deal. I mean, his vision, his ability to pass will really make this offense go at another level. And he's just kind of like an alpha mentality. And we talked about that on, on the board when I dropped some tidbits before the season from what I was hearing. And, you know, I don't think SMU's had that the past couple of years. And I think that's been the biggest issue is that even when Jare Foster was healthy going into that 2016-17 season, I think I have that right, I don't think I viewed him necessarily as as like an alpha. And, and I think Shake Milton, to an extent, wasn't either. And, and just kind of their style, they're, they're a little bit quieter and, and maybe that was a product of playing with Ben Moore, Sterling Brown, guys like that growing up under them when there was such a big leadership role taken by them that they didn't get their voices ready to go. And so for the past couple of years, I, I do feel like the biggest issue with this team has been leadership. And I've said that multiple times. I, I, I don't think anybody sits here and thinks, you know, Jamal McMurray was it was a great type of leader for this team. And and Jimmy Witt, same story. Ethan Shagwa, definitely really not. I, I, I think Isaiah Mike is emerging as one in terms of those that are coming back. But last year was his first year, so he didn't really have any street cred to kind of talk about that. And Kendrick Davis has played already as a freshman in, in major college basketball. Darius McNeil has played as well. I think Kendrick is certainly has that mentality, has that alpha mentality that SMU needs to be pushed within um, among the players. And from talking with or from from hearing what everybody had to say yesterday, that's kind of what everybody's watching is is will Kendrick Davis get eligible because he's he's a difference maker and he's not just an on the court difference maker, he's a difference maker in practice. I actually got to watch practice couple weeks ago and when I was in when I was in Dallas for a wedding and I went over on on uh, that Thursday and I, and I got to catch it and they get they put in serious work and it's pretty obvious that Kendrick Davis is emerging as, as a leader and a guy that really make makes things go and and keeps these guys locked in so that's a big positive for SMU because they really need that more than anything as they're trying to get back to winning basketball when you're trying to because I don't think the culture that SMU had under Larry Brown of, I mean, the, the sign of uh, it'd be, you know, share the ball, play hard or, or whatever, and it'd be nice if we rebound and defend too. I, I don't think that's there anymore. And I, I think that's a big issue. And so what's going on right now with this program is there is a new culture that's, that's having to be put in place. The expectations from the internally within the program, I don't think have have changed. You know, look, we want to be really good defensive rebound team. We want to, or we want to be able to defend. We want to be able to rebound, take high uh, efficiency shots. I don't think those things have changed. I just don't think they've had the player leadership to make those things go and to be held accountable. And then you couple it with look, right or wrong, they they've been shorthanded or whatever. I don't think they've had the push to, to to have that. So there is a new culture taking place. The biggest thing I, I think is that this team does have a boosted confidence 
because they have a, a full roster, because they've added some serious talent, which they have, that's not wrong. You add Tyson Jolly, you add, add Kendrick Davis, Darius McNeil, Isaiah JC, the, those four alone, I mean, forget adding Charles Smith, who's a great a- athlete, Emmanuel Bandamel, we'll see, but he's he's a guy that they like as somebody that can play um, a big role, uh, at least coming off the bench. And then and then Darius McBride, you add all these different pieces, and, and add in Everett Ray coming back if, if he can stay healthy, there's confidence. And so I think that's a positive. There is some confidence, and SMU could overachieve in terms of its ranking. But I do think preseason-wise, they're accurately ranked. There's a lot to unpack in terms of what this team still needs to do, still needs to accomplish, still needs to get right. They have to get their answers on the waivers. We'll, of course, be tracking that. And I'm sure that'll go all the way up until probably the week of with, with how these waiver things go. But Overall, I think the confidence stands out to me. I do think the emphasis on Kendrick Davis and what what uh, SMU needs is is for him to be eligible because if not, it's a team that's going to be middling in the bottom upper bottom half of the conference. And and to be honest, I mean they're not going to make the NIT if if Kendrick Davis isn't eligible. That's my my opinion. Just kind of having just knowing what they have coming back, knowing that I think his on-court leadership would impact the game just as much as his his ability to pass, his ability to run a team and all of that. So, look, I, I think we'll all be watching to see what happens with Kendrick Davis's waiver. Um, but overall, um, that's my kind of takeaway from from the first two days of this, this media you know, blitz kind of that they've been on, is that Kendrick Davis is key. They do have a lot of confidence. And, and I think that does stem from the players seeing the full squad, being able to, to kind of go through a, a camp with a, a full allotment of guys. I mean, right or wrong. I mean, there's a lot of confidence coming from this team and to kind of overachieve based on where they were picked to finish. So we'll see how it goes. I've got a couple other takeaways as well. I've heard Isaiah JC really athletic for a big guy, and that's a big positive. He's really pushed Ethan Shagwa um, to – take his game to the next level. Will that happen in the game for, for Ethan? We'll have to see because for the past two years, Ethan has been somebody who's, I think, underachieved relative to his potential because there are nights where he can be the best player on the floor and he's athletic and he's he's skilled, obviously, as a big guy with the ball in his hands. And there are others where he just doesn't, to be honest, he just doesn't want it. And so for... JC, that's a big deal. He'll be back into the, or he'll be into the lineup after his his last final. So he'll be into the mix in December and and he'll be a big boost for this team. But he's been a big positive. The other thing is Fran Hunt. I think they're expecting him to have a big jump this year. He looks considerably bigger from from when I saw him in in person just a couple weeks ago. So he's put in work in the weight room. He's really worked on his three point shooting, his ability to play out on the perimeter. He's not just going to be a forward. So I think they're expecting a lot from him, for him to be able to step in with Isaiah Mike, maybe move Mike to the two, and just do a bunch of different things. I mean, when they're in the thick of conference play, I mean, Ethan Shagwa, Isaiah JC, Fran Hunt, and Isaiah Mike and Kendrick Davis would be quite the lineup to roll out there. And Tyson Jolly is is a big guy too. He's he's out right now with a bruised knee from what Tim Jankovic said, but he's he's I think Fran Hunt's got a chance to take a big step this year if they just let him do what he's so talented 
to do. Uh, and that just means, you know, he's, I don't think you try to just pigeonhole him into this, you know, front court type of player. He needs to be playing out on the perimeter. He needs to be having the ball in his hands and developing as a guard because that's what he is. And, and he's a, a really uber talented type of player. So we'll be watching Ferran Hunt, you know, to emerge, I think, this season and, and, and do what so many people have wanted him to do, which is just be be an absolute difference maker for this team. So um, with that, I think we're going to put a wrap on this podcast. But I do I do have a quick story because I was I was alerted by a couple of our, our faithful subscribers that I, I was somebody said that I that I fake a deep voice on the podcast, which is rather just kind of an interesting thing to say. But so my story is, and if for anybody who's actually met me, they know that that's not really true. I've always had a deep voice from the beginning of time, you know, when I was born, born and started talking or whatever. It's always been like that. And so the story is, um, I was, I was out in our neighborhood and I was, I was, um, doing like a golf camp or whatever. And Shelton Quarles, who used to play for the Bucks, they played middle linebacker on the Bucks uh, Super Bowl team, and he kind of he lived in like our neighborhood or whatever, and so he had been playing golf. And my mom was picking me up for from golf camp or whatever. You know, a little I was probably probably about eight years old, and my mom pointed Shelton out to me and and said, "That's Shelton Quarles. You should go introduce yourself, Billy, and tell him how big of a Bucks fan you are or whatever." And so I walked up to him and, and said, hi, Mr. Quarles, I'm Billy Embody. I just want to say go Bucks and all that. We're big fans. And he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. Man, you, you sound like you're, you're 18 years old. Do you, have you had a deep voice like that? I said, yeah, yes, sir, you know, all that. And so the, the funny thing is, is that fast forward to when I was about, what would I have been? I've been 17, years, uh, 17, 18 years old, somewhere around in there applying for colleges, Shelton Quarles went to Vanderbilt. So I applied to Vanderbilt. And at this point, Shelton's now a uh, scout with the Bucks, and, and we've known each other for years. And, and, um, but we hadn't seen each other. He, we, I went to the same school in Tampa as his kids and his kids were much younger. So he, we kind of knew each other. We've seen each other, but we hadn't probably talked in probably like 10 years. So I was going, I was in my senior year of high school and I applied to Vanderbilt and in, with Vanderbilt, you do in-person interviews in, in your, your town or your city or wherever they set you up to do interviews and they kind of get an alumni to come and interview you. And so I walk into the Starbucks to do my interview with, with Shelton Quarles and I was pretty amped just that he was the guy that I was interviewing with because I knew we at least had a rapport and I you know, reintroduced myself, said hello, and uh, I, I kind of let off with that story of you know, do you, do you remember, you know, you probably don't remember meeting me, but you know, he said, yeah, your voice really hasn't changed at all. And so ever since I've been about seven, eight, nine years old, I've always had this voice. So, uh, to, to all the people out, or I guess the one person out there that think that I fake this voice, I did think that was a really funny story and I appreciate the laugh and I appreciate hats for, for letting me know about it. So I had a, I had a good laugh about that. So anyway, guys, uh, that's enough of me talking. Certainly uh, not a great story, but I, I did uh, did think it was funny when I heard that um, story uh, about uh, somebody saying that I fake a, a deep voice. So with that, guys, hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the podcast. We'll have another podcast previewing the Temple game. 
on Friday for you guys, as well as uh, a Q and A. We're gonna we're gonna open it up for the subscriber Q and A, and uh, we'll do all of that on uh, first thing Friday morning. So thanks for listening to this edition of the Pony Stampede podcast, guys, and have a great rest of the week. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.